Hey bouncers, are you going to the English USA Professional Development Conference next Friday, February 19th? Me too! I am presenting with Caroline McKinnon from Felt NYC and also from episode four. We are going to be presenting on trauma-informed principles in language learning. Our talk takes place at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Check us out. It's going to be fun and interesting and cool, I promise. If you haven't registered yet, you can register at EnglishUSAPDC2021.org. Hope to see you there. It'll be awesome. Bye. Let's keep in touch. Let's keep in touch. Keep in touch with me. Drop me a line any old time. You know that I'll be action. <laughs> Brilliant. Welcome to Talk to Us Bounce English. Today, I'm very excited to have Joanne McVeigh and Julie Butters here, um, both of whom I've known and loved for a very long time. Uh, from back when we were all newish teachers in London, and we've all moved on to different exciting roles. I'm here in Los Angeles. Julie is not Julie. Where exactly are you? Um, University College Corks, where I work, um, and I live live in Cork as well. So okay. it's a language center and the University College Cork is where I'm working. Okay. Yeah, and and Joe, Joe, you're still at University, um, you're still at University of Arts London. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Still there. Okay. Yeah. And and Julie, you found you're the founder of our uh, one of the founders of EAP in Ireland, isn't that right? Yep. That's right. Yep. 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 So not um, all of our listeners are going to know what EAP stands for. So uh, would either of you care to explain it? Julie? <laughs> Where do you start? Um, actually, it's a very good question because there's a lot of discussions around the title and what is it, what, what should we call it? So th there's actually lots of, lots of discussion around what the label is and what we should use as it is. But EAP, English for Academic Purposes, and that will involve all the different types of academic skills. So if you think of the whole range within a university of academic skills that, that students have to apply, that then we, we kind of help them with those skills. And like everything, if you're looking at any kind of skill in terms of academic skill, it's all based around language. You know, if you're looking at anything uh, critical thinking, it's about the language that's used. I think the confusion with it is, is calling it English for academic purposes can make it seem that it's only for students who don't identify English as their first language or they don't feel necessarily proficient in English, when actually EAP tutors could be working with all students, irrelevant of their language backgrounds as well. That's a great explanation. And I actually think, um, you know, it's, it's funny because most of my students right now are not second language or third language English speakers. They're, they're mostly first language English speakers. But I would say what I'm doing with them is academic purposes. Well, academic and professional purposes. Mm. That's interesting. For me, I would say I've moved on slightly into even you could argue English for academic specific purposes because it's within mm. art and design. Mm. So there's a whole other mm. sort of area there to be looked at, I think, as well. 
Yeah. And I think that's really interesting for people who might be listening to this, who maybe because as we know, people who end up in this field often are quite creative. You do actually get a lot of artists, you get a lot of uh, writers, yeah. musicians, actors, that if you have a specific interest in art, as I know you do, and you have a background in art, you can do that. You can kind of focus on a specific area for sure. Yeah, yeah. Julie, what about you? What was your experience? How did you get into this field? My um, grandmother was Spanish, so I got to go to Madrid when I was young. And my dad's cousin owned an English language school. So when I was about 12, she took me to the language school to meet the kids. And, um, you know, and then I was like, oh, I could come and I could come and teach English in Madrid, imagine, you know, and then obviously it was another world really yeah. being 12. So, um, yeah, so then I did it at university, did a couple of modules and enjoyed them. And I enjoyed social linguistics of my undergraduate most as well. Me too. They're the only ones I remember. Yeah, so straight after I did the CELTA at the end of my degree, they did it at the university. So I did that and then I got went to Malvin House. Which is where we, we met. Where we all met and then I started on a foundation program um, and that's where I kind of got into EAP then I was like, oh, I really enjoy this I, I really enjoy working with students here and yeah and I think I've always struggled with writing I have zero confidence in writing and so I kind of feel that maybe that gives me a bit of a, a, a way that I want to help others you know a little bit um, with it and then yeah and then it just kind of continued down that route um, until I got into university work it's interesting that you said that you never thought that you were a, a good writer and yet you work teaching people how to write, um, which makes me think you are, in fact, a good writer. Um, but I think we've all had that experience where you don't feel so confident in a specific skill. And I personally think that empathy is so important in the language classroom. It's, it's, it's very easy I think if you don't have that, you can get quite frustrated at times because students may be struggling or something like that. But if you are able to put yourself in the shoes of your students who they might be feeling overwhelmed or insecure or something like that, I, I just think that's, that's a really important skill. So it probably does help you quite a bit. So let's talk about this year. How has this year been? I'm, I'm really curious. Um, and, and another reason I thought it would be fun to interview you guys both at the same time would be to contrast your experiences, even though you are actually so close. You're separated by just a little bit of water. And I, I'm really interested in hearing about how those experiences compare or contrast. Maybe, Joe, you could start us off, just kind of tell, you, tell us a little bit how this year has been. Okay, well like everyone, uh, it, it was a slow burn in many ways. And then in March, we were told, that's it, you know, the building's closed, you're going online. And at that time in the, the part of the term here, everything's getting quieter anyway, because it's going into like the third term just after Easter. So I started doing tutorials with my groups, well, individual tutorials, I should say, not with groups, uh, which was really nice being online like that, because it's, it's a great platform for one-to-one -one tutorials and that was cool and then I did a summer uh, course pre-sessional at Goldsmiths um, nine week and that was fantastic on teams with uh, a group of 16 it was really 
mostly straightforward. There were a few glitches, of course, getting used to Teams, the students getting used to Teams. Um, and they were also using a VLE Moodle. Uh, but it was fairly well organized. So they were literally on Moodle and on Teams. That was it. And, and Moodle is what type of uh, software? It's a virtual learning environment. I know, Melanie, you've mentioned Moodle, but I think that uh, some of the technology that you have to use to effectively teach online is, is um, interesting and how, also how quickly uh, teachers had to pick it up and, and learn and transition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. Well, the thing is with Moodle, it was already used at the colleges because I teach for one department, which is called language development, and we uh, can be at any college. So generally I'm spread out, you know, between like three different colleges. And then uh, it depends on the course as well. So some courses really love to use Moodle, but some courses don't. So that was a quite a big transition, yes, because the virtual learning environment was either set up really well by the course or not. Uh, as in, you know, the language development department I work for have got a, a, like a section on the Moodle, so it's easy to manage. Uh, that's that's at UAL. At Goldsmiths, they just sorted it out pretty quickly. Moodle, off you go, because it was just for the for the summer course, um, and students adapted really easily to that. Um, since then, since I've been back at UAL, it's been a bit more of a bumpy ride. <laughs> As I say, because of the other courses not all using the same type of sections, they want to do it a different way, they don't want to use this, they want to use that. And in particular, design courses, uh, which is something I'm familiar with having studied graphic design. So it's been a really interesting, uh, I don't want to use the word journey, insights into how you know designers look at this stuff as well. So a graphic design course, for example, really make the most of it, whereas a more practical course are a bit sketchy because it's not, you know, they don't want the students online, really. They want them to be making um, and in the studio. Yeah, so that's been interesting, you know, finding out how to adapt, not just what I'm doing, but how the students are responding to that, how they manage it, because there's a kind of a perceived idea that students will take to it like that and that's not always the case oh you know? i think that's definitely not the case i think students yeah. are experts in social media but they're yeah. not experts in uh, various types of software platforms that you have to use uh, to teach online you have to spend time training them and yeah. you have to do it on on low stakes activities that aren't going to be worth a grade because that will just stress them out and it's also not fair but yeah. i i think that's a big mistake you as a I mean, I'm 47. I could be the the best expert in the classroom at that stuff, even though my students are much younger and can probably figure out some of that stuff more quickly than I can. But yeah, I think that's really true. Yeah. And many of the students that I have are just trying to work out the virtual learning environment, let alone everything else, like you say. So yeah, that's true. Um, so that was, so throughout the year, certainly now it's December, uh, Certainly at Goldsmiths, things happened quicker because, because it's more of a, there's more of a, a motivation for students to get on with it. Whereas, uh, you know, first year BA students, they're slowly getting used to everything. Yeah, <laughs> man. So, you know, it takes really a while. I really feel for those guys. I know. And then also um, what's been really interesting, especially this, the last few months, is many of my students are in China 
so uh, you know VPN problems or Wi-Fi yeah. problems, not being able to have a laptop. So some of my students have just been going to a cafe with their phone, so they can't really get too involved in activities, which is, you know, that, but that's kind of the deal. That's okay. Uh, but you know, overall, I'd say yeah, it's been interesting for me learning the technology and and also seeing how the students adapt to the technology. And it's you know, I've enjoyed it. I can't say I haven't because I have. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, no, I, I like it too. I, I miss the face to face classroom, but I will say I love the commute. The commute is great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. The best commute in the world, right? Julie, what about you? I'm wondering how your experience compares to Joe's. I was just going to actually ask Joe, what was just one, sorry, one question. No, Has go the, for it. What about the attendance of in-sessionals? Have they kind of increased? Yeah, bizarrely. Has, it, has attendance been better? Attendance has been quite phenomenal compared to previous, mm. you know, face-to-face -face teaching yeah. years. Uh, yeah, however, I mean, I don't, I don't want to keep doing a downer, but there's always a downer. <laughs> however, so, sorry about that. But there's an element right. where students, students are coming in and um, they're sort of there, but you don't know if they're there. Oh yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They come in and then they turn their camera off or whatever. I actually saw a, I saw a cartoon that I think really speaks to this. It was someone uh, visiting Santa. The person, Santa says, tell me what you want for Christmas. The person says, I want a dragon. Santa says, be realistic. And this person says, okay, I want my students to turn their cameras on for class. Santa then says, what color would you like your dragon to be? Because they're not <laughs> going to turn the camera on. And no. when they do, I, I don't know. I mean, at the beginning of lockdown, I had students who were literally lying in bed with a mask hanging around their neck for our class and also their shirt off that's not really something i want to see in my class to be <laughs> honest but that's that's just me yeah. um yeah. julie what about you tell us a little bit about your experience this year well this like there's kind of um there's kind of what was very lucky about our situation at the language center in cork um, university ucc university college cork so i'll call it ucc so we're, very lucky situation is that literally a year and a half ago, we got a director for the department the first time in the life of the language center, that wow. things were going to develop, everything was going to be developed, you know, Finally. they had big plans. Yeah, they had big plans. They, um, and we all know what, where that comes from. Um, I think it comes from people that genuinely want to help others. And, and then it does come from a money making um, as well. And so December, 11 of us were made permanent. So when March hit, so many people we knew lost all their jobs and so many within the university as well. So we were super lucky, but what kind of happened is we're in a stage of development. So suddenly everybody's working on these new programs and everything's moving online and everything's go, 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 go. There's develop, 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 develop. We can't stop, we can stop actually it felt like it ramped up the development yeah. and I don't know whether that was kind of an invisible pressure that you know obviously our directors under you know that okay we need to make this you know we still have to keep going here because we've got to make this successful I don't know so it were it, it actually went like we 
um, we shut down on the Thursday and the Monday morning we were teaching online. Wow, straight that's away. Intense. That's um, same, same. Using yeah. Teams, yeah, it was so quick. It was so quickly. Um, yeah. Ultimately, now looking on it, it was everyone was so stressed and it was very wrong. It was very wrong in terms of the, what the teachers were experiencing. Just even a week or just even three days or just start on the Thursday and give people a bit of time. But anyway, it other things in hindsight and everyone was just trying to do their best, obviously, but still. And then we basically ended up, three of us, creating a whole new pre-sessional for the first time ever. That's insane. Wow. In about in about two months, two months, wow. and as we went along, you must but have been so busy. Before that, that, before that, we were um, we were testing retesting students because they accepted the Duolingo test, uh, which is an yeah. online test, and we, the language center got asked because our directors built up a lot more um, relationships with the university, so they kind of trust us. And were asking us so we then we had to create a test to check students duolingo like a double check you know for a bit of security wow that's but, interesting yeah but the i think you need us, that with duolingo actually that's been my experience i don't know how you yeah can. that's we we looked at the test and we were like let's just check them you know we can yeah. check their speaking anyway we could, we could try but the thing was those the three of us that were doing the pre-sessional were given that job so we actually in it's all in hindsight we did that we spent about six weeks on that test and doing all of that and then realized we had like six weeks to get a whole pre-sessional together oh my god now my now my colleague who's coordinating the pre-sessional had been doing stuff over the year but march like she'd done some bits but we were really going to get stuck into it that i was going to help her with it you know and so we were doing it as we went along as well, you know, so and we were teaching, we were teaching, uh, we were doing, we were doing the three hours, they decided to, I was teaching like 15 hours a week as well as creating as we went along. Wow. And, yeah. And um, so it was, it was this thing of, yes, we're so lucky because we've got so much work here. And this is all stuck, the university are looking at us for the first time. So they, they, you know, they've got plans for us, and they're going to have bigger plans now because they want to get more money. Unfortunately, that's what it does boil down to. So we feel like we are in a lucky place, and that we had work, you know, and that we'd got our contract just before COVID. However, I, for the first time in my career, I absolutely crashed at the end. I've never experienced burnout. I was getting to, I was getting to the end of August, and like. I say I couldn't, it wasn't that I was working late nights or the weekends, because I don't, I wouldn't do that to myself, but it was the intensity. It yes. might have been eight till six. I was just like this the whole time, yeah. nonstop, yeah. like literally from eight in the eight a.m. till six p.m. Um, and then it got to the end of the course and I started getting ill, sick, kind of kept on going. And then I couldn't even, the thought of even opening my laptop the full of work <laughs> actually yes. just, oh, yeah. like I was just in a state and then I realized when it was getting to like 4 p.m and I'd sleep I'd get into bed and I had the shivers yeah wow. and that went on that went on for two weeks the first week I was like that I had a covid check um, uh, as well but I, after, I got, it got to Friday on the first week and I said to, the doctor said anyway I'll sign you off for another week I've never been signed off for two weeks at work 
and I said to Emma on the first at the end of the first week after being sick on the Friday I said I cannot even think about going back to work that is pure burnout because yeah yeah it was just my brain everything I've been there so that, yeah, yeah I've never I never experienced mm. it and I I would not ever experience that I could not let myself get to that stage so what happened then come back and I hadn't had a holiday I'd been sick for two weeks that was my time off Anyway, the, the, oh, the beginning of semester's quieter for our German English side, but we were running some, again, new courses and things, and we've got a lot of in-sessional. So, again, good work to keep us all going. But I was coordinating stuff for the first time. So it, it started again. It was, Quiz. you know, it kind of the coordinating, the new job, the new role and marking, everything got on top. So what happened was I got to a stage um where my partner as well was like no you can't continue like this and i said no i, I need it so i just called and I, a lot of my colleagues were in the same state as well interesting um, not coping they were not i have coping. a lot to say about this not coping. yeah so me I'm too suddenly, i'm gonna say we, something as well and we've, been, <laughs> and we've been screaming about well-being with like hello can somebody actually talk about and like the anxiety and the stress of a lockdown and Yes. everything because this is like the elephant in the room and that was getting oh, to me preach it. I, because i always speak out i'm always speaking out and people just my team just don't really speak out much about so then i just said guys we cannot go on like this we need a, let's so i set up a well-being meeting and we did it for an hour and everybody spoke for five minutes uninterrupted it was a little bit meditated um and people were like absolutely crushed so then it turned out that I had, I wasn't on the best stage of my cycle, let's say. And um, <laughs> my manager, my boss asked me for something and that was it. That was the straw and the couple's back. And I just absolutely sent an email. Unfortunately, I was at my limit and I've never um, been at that limit before. But she responded in a very supportive way. And then now things have changed and, you know, we're having those conversations but the well-being group kind of continues. But I said to them, I'm never going to let myself get to that stage. But it was that frustration that the university, you know, there was all these well-being workshops like, well, we, we have to go, do we? Oh, it's up to us to kind of in our stressful work yeah. life. Yeah. Find time On to go top to of these. everything else you're doing that, you know, yeah. it's not yeah. like you get the time off to go. And I, I think I, I think you've really touched on something, Julie. There's something that I heard right at the beginning of all this in the spring, someone pointed out that there are people who lost their job. There are people who had their hours drastically cut. Then there are also people who um, ended up doing like four people's jobs or having to learn another job very, very quickly on top of the global uncertainty and the trauma of illness and death. I personally don't think we have fully processed how much trauma we have gone through and our you know as, as of this recording we're still going through it i i think once you know we're at a place where things are whatever normal is and i don't you know know what that means but then we're going to really be able to start going deep into maybe trying to heal from some of this, but I'm not at all surprised you had that difficulty. Joe, jo, jo, I know you wanted to say something too. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, well, for me, I, I didn't, I, I think previously in my working life, I've already experienced that thing without this. 
that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So um, I've already been through kind of difficulties within my working life. So, and also personally, um, it's another story. But when <laughs> when it all happened, I was like, oh, great, brilliant. I don't have to get out of the house on a bus. I don't have to like deal with any, you know, crowds and public things that always stress me out and blah, blah, blah. So for me, it was kind of like a blessing in disguise, bizarrely, even mm. though it was very intense having to suddenly adapt like overnight to a completely yeah. different working life. Um, however, I say all that, but then, you know, months down the line, now I'm in December, I'm actually really feeling, you know, that now, this kind of like frustration and the workload is is beyond however at UAL we also did a very similar well I was speaking to some of my colleagues and um, they wanted us to do observations and uh, on top of everything else so this might seem like a, a nugget of something that's not that important but but it is you know because you're you're trying to prep you're managing you know being at home all the time all this as you said Mel all the uncertainty around Covid you know especially in London where it's a constant yo-yo situation like you can all go out. No, you can't. You know this. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Go so, out. Don't go out. Yeah. Don't go, go out. Leave, leave that. Don't leave the house. Do you know? Oh, whatever. So you know that in itself. You know. Um. So some of my colleagues and I were like, I'm not doing. I don't want to do an observation. Why? Why do we need to do that now? Yeah. Can't we do it next year? Why? Why are they putting this on us now? You know. Exactly. Mm. I, I I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I understand absolutely. why they want to do it, but I I tend to agree. Like, let's just wait. <laughs> totally so we put it forward well i i was pushed i was the one you do it you do it you send the email you do it so uh, but it turned out really well because our line manager went i totally agree with you you know yes you're right and then somebody else came up with a suggestion of doing a reflective um you know reflection on your lesson Oh, that's a really nice idea. I like that. Yeah, it's a great yeah. idea. You know, so in software doing... development, which is my background, um, you have your your periods of work. And then if you're doing an agile method, there is a retrospective that you do. So you always end the work period by looking back at what worked, what didn't work, what should change, what should stay. And, I, you know, it's one of those things Melanie and I do it with our business. It's it's can be a really helpful exercise. Mm, yeah. yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think but you then really... because that's what they want to see really, don't they? Reflective professionals, reflective practitioners and that that reflection's coming from them and you've got areas to work on or develop or you know that awareness is what you need to show. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I also quite like your idea of a wellness group because I I'd know for sure some of my colleagues live alone and one colleague in well yeah one colleague in particular who I spoke to quite recently you I haven't spoken to her for a while and we did a zoom and you could just there was like a moment where you thought oh okay this yeah she's not she's not actually really coping very well she's trying mm -hmm. and nobody's on top of that for her because uh, she was like so appreciative that we'd organized this zoom you know to chat about work um and I, I say nobody's spoken to her really properly for months and I thought wow you know this is quite like they've, you know, she really needs some support here. And it would be really nice if, if we could do that as a collective as well, get together as a group and say, right, mm. we're going to do our, instead of like, as you said, Julie, you know, we're putting on these sessions, you come along when it suits you, 
but that's not always yeah. practical, is it? But on and, top and, of your already possibly quite demanding and stressful workload that yeah. you're going to go to that well, it's, to relax. It's, it's, a, it's a classic, it's a classic, is it a university or corporate, I don't know, neoliberalism thing that's like, oh, look at us, we're, we're a place of well-being. No, yeah. you're, from well, you're a place of precarity and you're a place of exploiting a lot of members of staff you know but it's kind of that little bit of icing um to kind of talk about a little bit but yeah and the team i suppose the 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 thing is that the team we look we all we that kind of we all really look out for each other and that has come through the past few months mm. you know the teaching team we're just so you know everyone's just looking out for each other and you know that's been amazing on the platform you know instead of just speaking with my, my colleague in the office get on really well with now i'm hearing the voices of lots of others because we're all chatting and stuff so that that's kind of a nice aspect um as well to it you know but yeah just just quite angry that that that, that well-being hadn't been hadn't been mentioned until we until i lost lost the plot <laughs> in about I, I, three or four weeks ago yeah <laughs> Well, oh. it was almost certainly something that needed to be said. And I, I think, you know, it's something that's come up repeatedly in these interviews, and it is something we're going to be looking at in the future. We're going to, I think, you know, we've got it under money, but I really think it's value, valuing teachers, valuing what they do, truly valuing that because, you know, why did we go into this field? We gave into this field. I, I We went into this field, for me, I went in because I think I'm a creative person. I, I like to create different things. I, I also really love to give and I'm very personable. So, you know, I think when you go into a field like that, you're just constantly giving of yourself. Mm. And so, you know, but there needs to be some sort of return for you and particularly at a time like now when, when we really need that support. And I mean, everybody has gone through a really difficult period. I don't want to minimize anyone's experience but i do think that teachers have gone through an incredibly difficult time and as a teacher i'm really interested in supporting them if i can so mm. i want you to know if you're listening to this and you're a teacher we support you hugely and we think you're awesome and we think you deserve all of the nice things yes so, i second what you say melanie teachers are the best Thank you. Yay. We're the best. Um, so now I want you guys to think about the future. What you think, you know, the next six months, the next year holds or, or further for the industry. As I've said to a number of people, I think this has been a really difficult year, but at the same time, my opinion is that this industry needs a kick up the bum. It needs to move with the times. I mean, I always laugh that my first lesson in 2002, the listening was with a tape recorder. Like, come on, <laughs> like what, what decade are we in? That to me is so indicative of, of this field sometimes in general. So, so I'm, I'm really excited to move forward and to modernize um, this industry, which is again, a reason why I thought this would be a fun thing to do. So, so tell me a little bit about how you see the future. Well, I guess, well, I'd say for me, certainly from what I can gather from my department anyway, they're certainly developing teaching tools, you know, uh, because, for example, using Padlet as a standard, um, using... Love Teams. Padlet. Padlet's fantastic. I love it too. 
and also they've they've readjusted our department so um certain things have gone as you know as julie was saying and mel you know people have lost jobs but they've realigned certain things i mean that's a whole bureaucratic number that i'm not involved in but anyway that's just cut costs um so but in terms of the industry i think yeah definitely development of teaching tools is a big way forward and also embracing the online in a way that means it's a positive you know not to lose it because we've all had to use it in such a short space of time we've all had to develop our own um, knowledge very quickly and I think it would be good to keep that going to advance that and also for departments to start to say okay we're going to have like you know two days in uh, in a building and then the rest of the time online or vice versa or whatever you know and I think that will happen it's going to happen mm. um, certainly where I work that was talked about anyway before all of this being online doing online tutorials say for example yeah so tutorials can work really well but even groups you know we've we've done it now so why not it, you know th there's advancement to be made with this and I think it can only grow and develop into something quite exciting really I hope and an investment universities have to invest a lot more in what we do I think I think so too obviously <laughs> obviously yeah <I> do. <laughs> yeah uh, and that's it that's kind of yeah yay online yay even online. though it's not the site even though it's not the same at all and sometimes it is really frustrating and there are certain elements that just you know drive you crazy and you're like i so wish that student was right next to me right now i could just talk mm -hmm. to them i could look at their work i could like blah blah, blah. but you know that's and that's that happens in that. a face-to-face -face classroom too. I mean, exactly. you turn up and the photocopier is not working or, you know, you get in there and there's a problem with the room. I mean, th those things happen whether you are in a physical space or an online space. That's that's my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm overall excited. I think it, it definitely opens way more opportunities and possibilities than it limits. Um, yeah. Of course, I miss... I miss the vibe, I guess I would say, since I'm in California, I miss the vibe of being with a class that you really bond with and you have fun. And I, I definitely think that you have more spontaneous discussions in your class um, when you're in that physical space, but there are huge advantages to online. What about no, I was just going to say, that's the, sorry about, that was, that's the only thing, yeah, the rapport, that's one thing, you know, and, and as you, I think you said it earlier, that's part of the joy of doing what we do is that rapport you have with a group. Yeah. Especially if you teach them over the whole year and you get to know them and, you know, you find out all their little sort of habits and who they are and you get to know a little bit about their life and yeah. That's, Even little yeah. things like the student who always brings the same snack every day that they have in their class or something like yeah. that. Like you just miss those little moments. <laughs> or the way that they kind of chat together before class and like who's little buddies with who it's 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 fun yeah. yeah yeah it's funny that's exactly what i struggle with now like i feel like i'm always in action you know like all this there's aims here or you know let's get this done let's get this done is that you know when everyone's getting on with something and you're just having a little chat with one a couple of students on the side and you're like how are you going you're right oh did you do i find i i haven't worked out how to chit chat online i haven't yeah. really i feel like i'm constantly kind of i might have a little bit and then like, oh we've got to get going because they're here now for a lesson and i feel like i'm definitely a lot more 
in direct teaching action a lot more online that, than in the that's classroom. That's a good way to put it. Directly, um, I feel a lot of pressure when they turn up to make it worth their while because yeah, that maybe that's it then. Yeah, I don't know what it is thinking about it now. What do you I, think the future holds, Julie? I know. Well, I I never thought I'd have to learn about chit chat. <laughs> I, I tell everyone my life story usually you know we yeah. just been on the beach or you know at a bus stop um the future yeah I think the future in terms of like again being very lucky that we can work at home so there's people that will never be able to work at home you know yeah so I'm yeah. talking from a very privileged position that for me it will be the ultimate like when I've been at work, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon thinking, oh, I still wish I was in my gym jams. It's dark. I have been in my gym jams <laughs> on some days at 3 p.m. So if it's going to be mixed in the future, which I think it will be, you know, we won't have to be in the office just just to be in the office, you know, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Yeah, I think that mix is going to be ideal, definitely um, for myself. And I think for a lot of people that will hopefully keep motivation and again about well-being and, and all that. I think training is definitely needed what joe was saying with all the teaching tools because you know i feel like i am um i've moved from the classroom to an online platform but i'm not teaching in an online way because i digital way i don't know how to teach digitally if that yeah. makes sense no so, it does and i think a lot of yeah. teachers will recognize that feeling so i don't really um, know, you know you know i couldn't say i'm an online teacher i'd say oh i've i've moved to teach online, but yeah uh, i feel like this whole year has been emergency teaching even even now yeah. even even the second term which obviously has been less filled with upheaval in general but um it, we we're still sort of figuring it all out that that's yeah. really what i think emergency teaching that's it yeah so that they you know so there's got to be that training because at the university people have been told they well you're doing hybrid so they go into a classroom, they have some people at home, they've never ever, they don't know how to do it, they've never done it, and they're not given any training, you know, so it's this, again, it's university matching the talk, you know what I mean, by saying, oh, we're this, we're a digital space, and so we're a digital learning environment, yeah, but really are you, you know, so I think that willingness to train is, you know, um, and I know it's something that we're definitely standing our ground in, and saying, well, if you want we're going to have to have training before. If not, I'm just going to continue as, I, as I'm continuing. And I think, I don't know, like I hope, I hope that there's been a bit of a check-in um, of people who have been overworked for a long time and have now got to their limits and saying, no, you know, it's that, that bit of standing up a little bit because people have got to their, to their limits that there's going to be a bit more of a voice but the voice for the people who are still in precarious situations, because I think it's it's kind of shown its true colours. COVID has shown, shown the true colours of all the inequalities that surround our workplaces, and they're there, they're evident, they can't escape them. Um, and, you know, there's more talk about racism at our college, because I know that was a separate issue, Black Lives Matter, but still... I don't think it is separate. I think no, it's very intertwined with everything we're talking about, and certainly in English language teaching. Yeah, and just all the injustices, all the injustices that surround it. So I'm hoping that those conversations will continue in the future and get actually get stronger and stronger, and especially about precarity, because... Um, you know, so many people lost their jobs just overnight in the university, have worked there for many years. I'm hoping that that will get stronger um, with it. But yeah, I think the number one, the biggest jobs for universities are going to be training, 
like our university is very traditional it's very academic and very traditional. It's the most academic traditional place i've worked in so moving from the university of arts where everybody was outside the box you know and i felt very wooden and inside the box sometimes working in the university of arts uh, everyone's in the box so there's it's it's we've got a platform called canva canvas which is like moodle the learning platform is called canvas i think um, I, I know it yeah that's what we use for the pre-sessional and all of that i don't know any others really i know a little bit of moodle um but i think that if it's creative creativity digital and creativity they want it's going to take a lot of training but it's going to take a lot to get teachers actually on board with 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 the hybrid teaching i think hybrid teaching is going to definitely we've already started looking into it our place so i think hybrid teaching is definitely there's going to need to be a lot of training in hybrid teaching and how that works yeah i think you're i think you're absolutely right joe um i feel like i cut you off really i don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add to kind of looking to the future at all no i mean that's it i i mean i agree with julie you know um training investment well-being yeah and really considering the overview of it rather than the sort of the panic stations we've got to do this but of course that oh, but you can't almost avoid that because that's how it happened you know yeah. and, and we did we, that that's happened. what we had to do we had to do it so um but i think now time's passed so we can we can reflect on that and go okay mm. now we know where to go forward so yeah yeah um, moving forward out of the panic you know we can't stay in this there's going to have to be some long-term Approaching From panic to pedagogy. You've just given me a book title. Thank you so much. <laughs> One more thing, actually, yeah. need to Perfect. really look, really look at is assessment because there was this huge panic yeah. about students cheating, students cheating, and we've there's one comment recently where someone said, "Oh, you know, when everyone's back on on campus, um, campus, we don't have to worry about this." I said, "Well, yeah, maybe we need maybe we need to change the assessment as well. Then, you know, yeah. if you know, we've got to completely relook at that as well." I think there's a zero trust in students, and I think this is highlighted a lot. Oh, preach well. it, preach it. There's so, you know, zero trust in um, students as well, you know, and it, and just that kind of control. That's what I felt, actually. I forgot all yes. about that. I felt this control at the beginning that I needed, like, you know, it was like, oh, are they going to do this and all that? And then, and then one, when I let all that go, it was just like, oh, give them the autonomy. Yeah. No, sorry, Ginger, I was just going to say, you're right, give them the autonomy. But at the same time, I think it really needs to be, and this is one of my sort of things, is it needs to be acknowledged, though, that, you know, students are going to use Google Translate and Grammarly yes, and all of yeah. course they are, yes. you know, but it needs to be discussed and it isn't. It's almost like yes. it's kind of brushed under the carpet. But even more so now being online, you've got those tools, you're going to use them. And the student, the teacher can't monitor you as in the same way. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I don't you know, either. Because at all, I mean, sign. yeah, I mean, great. But but let's manage it and let's let's deal with it. And that's how to, yeah, you know, how to work with it. Yeah. So they're mm. going to be using Grammarly for their mm. essays. So then, you know, doing a handwritten tests in class. How useful is that? You know, I know that's when they get core your their core language score, as they keep saying. But if they get to university, there's, I think there's a whole new way. I think like translation is going to improve. I think all of that has to be considered. In, the other in thing too, I'm oh, sorry, Julie, writing. go ahead. No, 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 go on. Go, go. Um, the other thing too is if, if a student can put together a well thought out 
paper in English where they're demonstrating analysis, they're de demonstrating unique thought, and they used Grammarly to sort of fix some errors, which as we know, most students, even the most competent proficient English students are even first language speakers still make yeah. mistakes in, in English language. Why yeah. is that so bad? Yeah, Why, so I don't, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. The hang ups. I, agree. I don't get the hang ups about it. Yeah, I, I think I, that I think the effort, the hard effort goes into doing all the reading, pulling it together, getting a plan and having a coherent piece. Yeah. You know, that's the, yeah, yeah, definitely. The other thing I was going to say is that assessment, as, as it's currently traditionally done in universities, really hasn't changed in several hundred years. So maybe it's time to rethink how we do that. And certainly, like, once again, what are we asking our students to do generally? We're asking them to think critically. We're asking them to analyze. We're asking them to tell us what they think. So how does regurgitation on a test really demonstrate that? Now, granted, in certain fields, um, for example, I teach engineering students, which, you know, let's just say I never saw that coming, but I do. Um, <laughs> for a lot of what they do, they do have like, there's just one answer and they have to figure it out. They are going to need a more traditional test a lot of the times, but um, many fields you don't. And even with engineering, you don't necessarily because you're creating things and then you're explaining how it worked and what principles you use to create it. So so I, I think you, you've really touched on something here, Julie, about the need to rethink assessment. And it's it's a little bit sad that <laughs> the idea is like, oh, well, soon we're going to go back to a big hot room with hundreds of students and like three people monitoring them all and making sure everybody has a number two pencil. <laughs> Sounds you know great. You know what started it all was the, the panic for proctoring services. You know, when we were doing the pre-sessional and we yes. were kind of creating the assessments and this assessment check, it was like, all discussions, all the, a lot of conversations that was about the security, the security, proctoring, proctoring, security, the security. And I was, and it was just a bit like, this is policing. Like, why are we focusing so much on this? Like, there's got to be a different way. I don't know what, I don't know how, but um, that's when I started really questioning it, you know, um, this panic. So. Any final thoughts? As we although that was kind of one but i'll take another <laughs> i was just thinking although i don't know if this quite relates to online teaching no i think it does blm diversity uh, this is another area you know um diversity of teachers it's yes. still very you know sort of and white teacher experiences and, and straight and and cis i mean yeah. this this summer i did a listening with a student who's um a listening from I want to say British Council. And the listening was about, I think, um, going on a media diet, you know, like not using your media devices. And there was one line in the listening that indicated that the woman speaking, that her partner was also a woman. And that is the first time in almost 20 years that I've come across any language learning material like that that wasn't like taboos and issues, homosexuality or something like that. Um, that's amazing to me. It's 2020. Once again, I say like, yeah. let's move with the times. Let's yeah. come to the modern world. Why not? Yeah. 
There is that, isn't there? I got, I got very interested as since um, I've seen a, a social justice project and the, with the Black Lives Movement and reading. More. So I've got really into about academic writing being so white. And I always st I start off with that with my students and I say, you know, academic writing is a white concept and it's very discriminative. And all it's going to do is make you feel bad and that you can't really write very well mm. because it's so rigid. It's so rigid. And you what know. did you say at the very beginning of this conversation that you felt bad? I know that right well, that's, really well. that's probably why I go like that as well. Me, me, me. And it's so like that <laughs> because I've got an insecurity about it. And that's how I deal with things. So then, <laughs> um, but you're right. With you're right. But yeah, well. that, that, yeah, that, that, that diversity, definitely. That, that, that's kind of been going along this year as well, isn't it? You know, all, yeah. all the, que the questioning of what we do in terms of, you know, whiteness in ELT that's been um, topics as well and um, but now there's that bit of hope and you know we'll keep on keep on fighting and keep on supporting and keep on hugging eventually when we get their virtual hugging we will get to hug. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier, another um, yeah. interviewee yeah. we spoke with said, you know, ESL, it's a very huggy industry. <laughs> it is. It is. And that really it attracts it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah. know, Melanie is fond of saying, you know, Zoom is great, but you can't Zoom a hug. You can't replicate a hug. That's, I, I just really feel there's something, uh, the there's so much you can replicate and there's so many more things you can do via Zoom, but there are some things that you just it, no. cannot do. You can't no. share a pizza with your family over Zoom. I mean, you can, <laughs> but it's not the same pizza. So. <laughs> one comment, one lasting comment that I saw on Facebook I liked was, I never thought I would be wearing my Christmas gift slippers from last year for nine months, 16 hours a day. I'm never, <laughs> I'm never gonna take slippers for granted again. Yeah. Yeah, but I actually think in some ways we will miss this time. We definitely will. Oh, look, here's an example look, of that. <laughs> they look solid, Joe. They look solid. Oh, they're very well worn. <laughs> well, guys, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. This was a really wonderful conversation, and it's so nice to spend some time with friends and talk about things that I think matter and are important. And I hope you do too. So, thank you. Thank, oh, you. thank you thank you thank you it's so interesting thank you let's keep in touch let's keep in touch